Hello, nerds. Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour. This is the only show on the internet where we talk about every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. I am your host for the evening. My name's Taylor. With me, as always, is Ryan. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for having me tonight. That you good? Glad you're here. Are you? No. You seem I, unsure about it. I'm. Here's the thing. I'm upset because now it's it's me and you. Uh-huh. Greg is not here. Mike died. Mike died. This is your fucking worst nightmare. Luckily, I managed to bring in a very special guest. We have producer Dave himself in the studio with us. Yeah, I'm here too. Hi, guys. That's really bringing the energy. Yep. I yep, feel like this breaks this. all of our contracts. Breaks Dave's contract, yes. our contract. I, it breaks my contract because I'm never supposed to be in a room alone with the two of you. That's true. You're a bad influence on me, and I do bad things when I'm around you. Taylor, you're never alone. Is this, is this more God shit? <laughs> Did you know that's what Godzilla means in English? What? Translates to God shit. <laughs> don't, why are you doing that? Why are you being so mean to me? Why? Because I don't like Godzilla as much as you do? Because Godzilla's a good guy. I'm trying. Oh, he's my God. He's not, and you're fucking manipulated again. Every no, single time one guy. of these monsters comes to town, you're like, I don't know. Let's give him a chance. He's a good guy. <sighs> my, my favorite part of the new Godzilla movie, since I haven't talked about it enough, is uh, it's not my favorite part, but it's a really good part. Is when uh, they're doing a, a Senate hearing about how the organization in charge of these monsters has just been like hanging out with them instead of controlling them. They're like, "What? You think Godzilla's gonna be our pet?" And he goes, "No, we're going to be his." And he gets very excited. He's like very excited and happy about that. That seems terrible. And everyone there is like, "That's a stupid. Why would you say that?" Having not seen the movie because I only watch good movies, uh, I still know that this guy was praying someone would ask him that question in that way oh, so he absolutely. could deliver his perfect follow-up <laughs> he's like no we will be his pets <laughs> oh, it was probably a loaded question they just he wanted to lead right into it he set up the question on purpose so that he would be able to say that. right after that thomas middleditch showed everyone a image of two monsters fucking so that's a fun fun little bit for the movie that does sound Take like god shit was it in gift form no it was in full uh, you got audio in that did he deliver it through some sort of snapchatted video isn't yes. that his thing? Yeah. Or Instagram? Yeah, it was, uh, it was very... Um, he used Verizon, mm-hmm. first of all. And then he compressed it with the algorithm. And then it just went right onto the TV. So he just said Verizon, Silicon Valley, Godzilla. Yes. That was every one of his lines. Yeah, and, and then they were like, all right, that's a wrap on Thomas. Thank you very much. <laughs> that kid is going places, <laughs> He really obviously. is. You know who, who I wish hadn't been in the movie? Godzilla? <laughs> no, you take that back. Godzilla's a good guy. You want me to take it back? I want you to take you it back. You want me to sit here and use the words, I take it back, because I insulted yes. Godzilla. I crossed the line with Godzilla. Yes, you did. Fine, I take it back. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Ah, oh, fuck you. It's Coach Taylor. Kyle Chandler shouldn't have been in the movie. He's a wet noodle. He, he wasn't good. He was just a guy who shows up. And he's like, ah, I'm angry at Godzilla. You guys should listen to me. And everyone's like, I guess we should listen to him. He was also in King Kong, the was Peter it? Jackson one. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Is he, this is going to be his thing? I guess. Well, King he's going to probably reunite with King Kong next year at Godzilla versus King Kong 2020. So it's Godzilla. It's King Kong. It's Tim Riggins. It's just all the monsters. That's who he likes <laughs> hanging out with. Yeah. He just likes, he likes hanging out with monsters. You guys want me to talk about Godzilla some more? Uh, I, I mean, like, is there any way to stop you? My, my truly one of my fav- favorite things about the movie is they were like, all right, we've got Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown. They're supposed to be related. How do we figure it out? How, like, how do we show that? And they're like, ah, same haircut. They just gave him the exact <laughs> same haircut and called it a day. They're like, they're, you, you guys are mom and daughter. They're two white women. Like, 
Can't we just guess from even if their haircuts are wildly different? Yeah, oh, no, they were like, we need to give them, like, we need to give this 13-year-old child this, like, middle-aged woman's haircut. Based on their skin color, we can tell that Marge and Lisa are mom and daughter, despite two of the most wildly different hairdos I have ever seen in my life. Lisa like, doesn't even have hair. It's just weird drawn spikes. Yeah, her yeah. scalp is spiky. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's got a malformed skull. So wait, Homer and Marge, if they have kids, both their kids, they will have... Bald scalps, but because of Marge in the shape of hair? Yes. Because I think if you've seen the episode where they shave Marge for Locks of Love, uh, her head is just shaped like that. <laughs> That's so fucking horrifying. Right? <laughs> Speaking of horrifying, we watched the Tick series finale. Before we get to that, some super villain team ups. Now we're here in the Super Serious Shishu Bullpen, the part of the show where we kick back and have a little bit of fun with some seggies. That's what I call segments. Now, this week's segment, we're doing a supervillain team-up, which is a thing we've done on the show before. If you haven't listened to it before, it is a thing where we will go around the room, we will draft a team-up of villains, and then they will fight in an arena of our choosing, and then I will put the uh, actions of those those villains into our special computer <coughs> that is a high-tech fight simulator and we will determine who the winner is this week in honor of lucy aka lucifer and eve teaming up we're doing bible villain team-ups is uh, taylor you are the person who is most familiar with the bible and you are trying to Out make this anyone. show all about the Bible, yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that's... We call you King James, basically. <laughs> is the Bible... Does the Bible have villains? Like, does it have its share of guys who just aren't that cool? I, uh, it has a lot of people who... I feel like every... Especially the Old Testament. New Testament has, like, a handful, and they're, like, somewhat famous. But the Old Testament, I feel like every chapter was like, and then here's this fucking dickbag. <laughs> like, how are we going to torture this guy? And then, yeah, that's, there's just so many villains. Uh, but in the Old Testament, the ultimate villain, and I don't know if we're allowed to pick him, is God, right? He's just the Doctor Doom oh, of yeah. that book. Yeah, I got, God one point was like, hey, go kill 400 people and bring me their foreskins. Right and, away, sir. And everyone's like, yeah, that seems, that seems good. That seems like the good thing to do. Uh, so, with all of that said, we are going to kick right into it. And since Producer Dave is our guest... Mm-hmm. We will start with you, Dave. Oh, thank you. Who Who is the first person that you are drafting onto your supervillain team? Unto. Unto your team. Well, unto your team. Uh, honestly, uh, my first pick has already been said, but I don't know if we're allowed to pick him like you said. I was just going to say God. Motherfucker oh. destroyed two cities because he didn't like what they were doing. Fuck. Do we... Uh, now I'm gonna confer real quick. Do we allow the use of God? Isn't that game over? <laughs> I it is, but it, I feel I feel like we tipped our hand a little bit. I you know what, Dave? I will allow it. All God, right. God is allowed. God is the first pick on your team. I played some uh, role playing games with Dave, mostly in the boudoir, and I can still see him losing. He is not yeah. good at this stuff. We'll we'll see, we'll see what he manages to have God do. Uh, so for my pick. Uh, my first pick. I am going to have the enemy of Samson and also love Delilah. Delilah, which sounds like such a pretty name for a pretty young country girl. Oh yeah, but really, she's 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 very wily, and she's she's after them secrets. As most women in the in the Bible are very wily. That that's true. That's very true. That's why they call it 
the Wiley Coyote Testament. That yes, they do call it that. Ryan, who is your first pick? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go with uh, the reason for the season, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm gonna go for uh, God's nephew. The, the God's nephew. Yeah, the angel <laughs> of hell. Oh, Lucifer. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Satan. What do you mean, God's nephew? Weren't they uncle and nephew? No, 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 uh, no. Ryan, explain to me right now what you think the relationship <laughs> between God and Lucifer is. God was like, uh, yo, Neff. Uh-huh. And Satan said, what's up, Anki God? <laughs> right, uh, okay. I, so who's God's sister and or brother? God. Okay. But it's like it's a uh, Uncle Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, and Louie situation. And then also they have an Uncle Donald, but no parents. Everybody's just nephews. <laughs> oh, okay. The DuckTales is based on the Bible, <laughs> the Old Testament only. Right, um, correct. Yes, you got it. And so he was like, Anki God, what's up? And he was like, Neff, I need you to pick up uh, some lottery tickets. And Satan was like, yes, I will do that. And then forgot. And God said, you are now in hell forever. Yes? That, yeah, that checks out, actually. that I feel like if you, once you do the exegesis, you really <laughs> see that's what, that's what the text is all about. All right, well, so far we've got uh, God on Producer Dave's team. Producer Dave, who are you picking to fill out your team? What, what weaknesses do you want to fill in from God? <laughs> uh, well... I was gonna, I was gonna pick Goliath, you know, but I feel <laughs> like, I feel like a big giant muscly man is not really needed in the situation anymore. Because you have God. Because you have yeah, God yeah. on yeah. your side. Well, what would be needed then? Uh, I was thinking, I don't know all that much about the the Bible-y stuff, but um, I'm pretty sure that his right hand of death and destruction is a guy named Loki. <laughs> that's in not, the bible i don't know what the, what the guys it's from the movie dogma who the fuck is that guy from the dogma movie <laughs> this is where you're getting your information yeah from. that's what i go straight to that movie i watched it like four times you know what? i can't remember the guy's you know name what? fuck it uh, since producer david <laughs> is on the, on the show his biblical villain <laughs> is the norse god loki <laughs> who okay. cares i still have god yeah that's true. So the producer Dave on biblical villains no. has God and Loki. Uh, <laughs> my second and final pick for my supervillain team up from the Bible is the, the man with the coolest fucking name in the book. He, they named an entire ship out of him in the Matrix. He is King Nebuchadnezzar. All right. This dude's got it all right. He's got destroying the Temple of Solomon. He's got chucking some people inside of a furnace. He's got a big old fucking gold cow that he can put people in and turn it on fire. He's not a Norse god. He's not a Norse god. So much going for him. He is from the Bible. (laughs) There's a lot going on for him. Nebuchadnezzar is one of my favorites, too, because if you try to shorten it, it's like, what's up, Nebuchadnezzar? No, I just have to say the entire name. (laughs) Nope, that's your your name, and you know what? I'm going to call you the whole thing. Ryan. Okay. uh, Close this out. I'm going to, and Taylor, maybe you can help me out with this, because I'm going to pick someone who I get confused with Nebuchadnezzar, and so I'm not sure what their separate powers are, but I'm going to take King Herod. Oh, right. Who also seems like Nebuchadnezzar in that just like it evil, baby, fucking ruler, petty, asshole, oh, murderer, yeah. shithead. Yeah, he was the one who, uh, if I remember correctly, he was the one that, like, God was so pissed off at him, he summoned a phantasmal hand to write in blood on the wall, which is such a drama queen move. I know, right. It's like, you've got to... Because God could just put blood on the wall, right? Yeah. But no, he needs the whole hand, the drama of the hand doing it. And, and if I remember correctly, Herod was the one who was, like, stealing babies. Yes, that's it. It's just that he himself is so petulant that... I mean, I guess it's a good strategy if you want to take over shit to kill 
all the babies, and then like yeah. that society dies. But I think he was just jealous because they were better at being babies than he was, and so he wanted them all dead. He's like, I'm baby. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, so closing out the teams, we have Dave's team with God and the Norse god Loki. <laughs> Uh, my team with Delilah and King Nebuchadnezzar, and we have Ryan with King Herod and God's nephew Lucifer. <laughs> okay, so are we ready? We are ready. So the the venue for today's fight, Roman Gladiatorial Arena. Mm. The audience once again full of lions. Uh, my first move, Satan and King Herod move, run immediately over to Delilah and Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, don't believe in God. Just all four of us at the same time, don't believe in God. All right, uh, done. And now God's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. That's Because he only, he's, he, it's, it's, he's all he's about like, belief, he's like, he's like, and we just believed him like Thanos would. He, well, he's with like that Santa principle, Claus if you don't believe in him. Exactly, no yes. Power. With that principle in mind, actually, nobody exists anymore because without God, there is no Bible. Without Bible, there are Ooh. no villains. Uh, so what, you're just saying game over? <laughs> game over. No, Draw. No, no. That's a very, uh, I you, forget the name of the, the thing off the top of my head, but that thing where like if you, you believe that you are the only one in, that exists and everything else is figments of your imagination... That's that's not true. So you're wrong. Solipsistic. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing here from our yes, solipsistic. Uh, What's great is that the the Norse gods actually do still exist. So yeah, they're still Loki right here in the game. <laughs> yeah, so Loki is still here. I'm looking at our our very complicated readout on the computer, and it looks like Loki is still alive because Loki doesn't follow Santa rules like so God does. So if that if that did actually exist, you know, if God doesn't exist, the Bible doesn't exist, and the only one left is actually Loki. Well, it doesn't look like that's what's happening on the, <laughs> on the readout here. It looks like the readout wants wants the fight to keep going. Uh, Delilah runs over and she's like, "Hey, tell me there, the, Delilah." She's like, "Hey, tell me the the secrets to your to, to how to beat you." And just, just if you wanted, like if you wanted to let me know those things. Satan uh, grabs King Herod, rips him in half. And sticks him in oh, his ears Christ. and cannot hear Jesus. Delilah. And says, oh, shit, I should have done that with Nebuchadnezzar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Why did you? I'm <laughs> Satan. <laughs> that, and uh, extra points, it looks like, for using Satan's catchphrase, I'm Satan. <laughs> uh, Dave, what's Loki doing? Loki is... Uh, Loki Keeping is it Loki. Pretend... Uh, Changing himself into the image of somebody else, uh, into the image of Delilah, and manipulating Nebuchadnezzar in to into uh, what? What's he trying to? What's he trying to? I don't know. What's, what's trying Loki's to get him all game here? Fly a matrix ship. Yeah. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, uh, I, you guys want to go into a furnace? No. Say, well, looking? actually, Satan says yes. Or like, no, don't do that. And then I go into it, and it gives me even more power, because I am the fire nephew. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar freaks the fuck out. And Delilah's like, all right, so fire, not it. Um, let's try cutting his hair next. <laughs> Maybe ropes. Uh, th- and my team is not doing well. <laughs> it looks like they are mostly mostly all talk. Uh, so it's down to, <laughs> to Satan. Okay, Satan pulls King Herod out of his ears. Uh, takes the intestine out of one part, ties it to the other part, and now he's got Herod nunchucks, oh, and then shit. just starts swinging at Delilah and Nebuchadnezzar as hard as he can. Uh, it looks like, according to the readout, um, Delilah immediately gets blown the fuck away because she's just a standard woman has no <laughs> has no special powers whatsoever. Um, and King Nebuchadnezzar he gets he gets blasted up against the wall, but the the power of his his gold armor uh, 
defends him just a little bit, so he's still alive. All right. And then Loki decides to believe in God. God is back, baby. Oh, shit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. God, God is back on the field. God what? immediately banishes Satan back to hell. Well, what does he say Like as he like appears? What is it? Like the big thing he screams. Yeah. I'm Jose! <laughs> Great. And then Great. Loki says, and I'm Mark. And so now Satan's gone? Yeah, Satan's gone. Yeah, according to the readout, uh, <laughs> our, very, our very complicated figure, Satan is gone. But as he leaves, uh, it looks like he left like just like a shitload of condoms on the ground. And he just screamed, safe sex for everyone! <laughs> Go Satan. And that's, that's what Satan's all about. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has died of his wounds. Uh, King Herod is just fucking Herod checks. So it looks <laughs> like... The winner, <laughs> unbelievably, who could have foreseen this outcome, <laughs> is God the All-Powerful and his sidekick, Loki <laughs> of Norse legend. So that concludes the biblical villain team-up fight for, for the week. Next week, we'll For the week? For we the week. We do that every week? We have to do that every week now, because <laughs> until someone beats God... Uh, so that is it for the Super Series Shishi Bullpen. Now we move on to talking about our main event, which is the season and series finale of Amazon Prime's The Tick. This week on the season and, unfortunately, series finale of The Tick. Arthur very quickly deduces that acting agent director Dr. Agent Hobbs is the real villain and loops his heroic pals in to overthrow him. Meanwhile, Hobbs comes to Joan of Arc with a proposition to make her leader of the Flag Five in exchange for help. But Joan double-crosses Hobbs in order to clear Aegis out of all their supplies and buying a distraction long enough for the rest of the crew to unhypnotize Lobsterculis and overkill and free them from the reins of acting agent director Dr. Agent Hobbs. Once and for all. What an adorable name. Also, Tyrannosaurus Rathbone is resurrected by an eldritch demon in his chest, and aliens from Superion's home planet come to collect his fugitive ass. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Knowing that the makers of the show did not know that this was going to be their series finale, how does it hold up as an overall show-ending episode? I think the, the coda, like the couple of minutes after the big fight, it really seemed like they did know. You know, like, everyone's plot line wraps up. Like, John Woo decides that he's going to be a normal dad. Yeah. And uh, Dot and Overkill, they're, they're going to be a couple now. And, like, they dance together. And then uh, Arthur and Tick run out into the, you know, the sunset of a door opening. And yeah. he screams Spoon, the thing that we've been waiting, I think, 20 episodes for. Mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. that's what Tick people are into. Uh, and it seemed like... Maybe they added that afterwards, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is little bits that I was like, oh, they they think that they might get another season. Like the uh, Sage saying, like, he's got another secret. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, su- the, the bit with Superion's, like, home aliens coming in is blatantly a cliffhanger. Yeah, the Sage line was great because it was after that we find out that um, what's his name? Tiberius, right? Ty- Tyrannosaurus Rathbone. Tyrannosaurus Rathbone, excuse me. Um, he's got tentacles in his chest and he comes back to life and the sage is like, that feels weird, but I bet we'll find out what it's all about later. <laughs> yeah. That feels like the season three sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, knowing that we're not going to get any more, are you satisfied with what we got? 
Like, does it feel good with you, or are you upset there's not going to be more? I'm certainly upset. This is a, such a fun show. I... I don't do these episodes with you guys, but uh, I definitely watch this show every single time it comes out. I binge it. So yeah, you you do what most people normal do. human beings. Yeah, nor- normal TV watching humans. Uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty upsetting that they're not doing anymore. I wish they had done twenty episodes this season, and now they're not doing any more seasons ever again. So yeah, your wish didn't only come true, but it got reversed. Oh. Yeah, it's it feels like a bummer because this is one of the few shows that I feel like we all kind of get behind and appreciate. Well, it's very much up our specific alleys, mm-hmm. right? You know, which is also a pretty good. It's pretty good evidence of why it wasn't going to succeed, right? Um, it's it's pretty niche, and yet it's so also like wholesome and kid friendly that you know even if you weren't understanding every single joke, just the overall superheroing, the G rated superheroing. Mm-hmm. What would you you would still think would find a wider audience? Yeah, and I I do think that it has like a very good like balance of there is more fun for adults, but there's also like good messages. Like even villains can be heroes sometimes for kids. Like I feel like this is a family friendly show that I guess just didn't find enough of an audience, and now it's gone. And the love and the hope and the trust. I mean, they they threw all of the messages oh, into yeah. that end to the point where like. We're now past theme. Like, we are just... It's, it became a kid's show. Yeah. Uh, and then, I think most importantly, or m- most weird, I guess, is I don't think once we, hit to the thir- once we got to the third act, um, a single hero threw a punch. Like, there was yeah. no violence caused by any of our heroes. They stood there, and they talked it out. They took punches and waited until they could use their brains instead. And for kids to get that, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, that was a very interesting like end of like way to wrap it up because it it was just like the people who are doing violence are brainwashed we're just gonna like let this happen and like figure it out and i thought that was a especially for the tick who is a superhero who's all about i'm big and strong and i break things like that's uh, an interesting tack for them to take as a as a resolution technique for the entire season like this was the big bad of the season right and so, and the big bad is a human, so it'd be hard for the tick to like go off on him. Yeah. Um, but also, the tick served as like a like a tank. What do you call that role where he just took the violence oh, and yeah. just got decimated by Lobstercules, just Lob- slammed onto the ground. Lobstercules is like we knew Lobstercules was powerful and like strong, but this was like Lobstercules can do some fucking damage. <laughs> yeah, he he literally went flying to open the scene, right? He went flying through the air mm-hmm. and smashed up against one of those uh, shipping containers. And then her picking him up and putting him into the ground. Like, that was, we got some real ground damage. You know, that's how you can tell. You can test how strong people are by how much they ruin the pavement below their bad guy. But was, still, Tick was just like, oh, don't do that. Please stop. Just please stop. <laughs> it was like he had a little tick. I also really liked uh, that they they elevated Dot's abilities finally, and were like she can just kind of use them, and she was just dodging bullets all over the place. Super right. Matrix, yeah, like that that was interesting, and I think that stuff is the stuff that I'm a little upset we won't get to see in a season three. Is Dot being like fully capable with her powers? Uh, I d- I do really think that Superion's whole storyline was great. I like that they finally they capped it off with the Superman references, like. I should just do it. Yeah, I should just I should just do the thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he he was thinking like I mean it could work. It could also kill seven billion people, but eh, to toss yeah. up. Yeah. And then it just it's it turned into so- uh, a like a perfect fuck Chekhov's gun because he he stood there talking about it for so long that 
you knew for a fact our heroes were going to die and Superion was going to do the spin the world thing. And he yeah. just didn't. He just, it just wasn't going to happen. He's just like, ah, no. It, it came, became pretty clear as to why he's actually a fugitive and why he, those, those other aliens are after him. Yeah, I, again, I'm, I'm bummed that there's not going to be a season three. I want to see what the rest of Superion's like, race is like. Are, like. are they like very rigid and like actual good heroes and he's just a, the fuck up? And which would totally check out with his personality. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, those things, I think I'm. it speaks to how well the show did the two seasons that it was on, how much I want to see them do the things that they set up for a third season. But I'm at the end of the day, I'm happy that we got these two seasons. Yes. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. This was another show that like very rarely do I get other people in my life to watch these shows but i got a handful of people who were like like one person even came to me and was like hey have you heard the tick it's pretty good okay just say no it wasn't enough people though it was not enough. you could have done more i well yeah i firmly don't worry i wait up at night thinking i am the reason the tick's not on the air and like we talked about i think a couple episodes ago when we first heard about it being canceled it's what is it's like eight years, and then we're gonna get some new tick show. Like yeah. that's just the cycle, of, right? Like, but when that one comes in, what we're what we should do as a group, the the whatever, all of us here at the at the studio should just leave that show running on a loop. Yes, the just entire get the time, you know. So this way, this way, it doesn't get canceled. I've I've always wondered, like now that we are in a, a streaming age. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> Uh, I get choked up when you're I getting upset. It's okay. <laughs> Whenever I think about the current age that we're in of streaming, I just I get upset. But do, does people like putting things on loop and just watching over and over again? Like, does that actually count for anything? Like, does it? Because like, I I really wonder like what the metrics are. Because before it was like how many people are watching this show means this many people are seeing our advertisements, so we're good. In a world where you just pay for a subscription and you don't have advertisements, I don't know what that does like i don't know what repeat viewings does for yeah and i think i think a lot of it has to come down to um some sort of algorithm and i know it's wrong i know whatever they're doing is wrong whatever it is of like buzziness like yeah are people talking about it and people just weren't like it's so it's crazy how many shows that um we cover on this podcast that no one knows exists well that's the other weird thing is in this streaming age uh, a lot of shows will go their first season and no one even discusses it. And then it's not until like they'll, they'll like slowly watch it over the period of time. And then second season comes out and suddenly you will see everyone talking about this show that you're like, what the fuck is this show? I've never heard of it. But now everyone has like mm-hmm. independently watched it. And so they're all talking about it at one time. And I wonder if we just needed an extra season of The Tick to get to that point. It's totally possible. I think there's like it's almost like there's some revenge going on, too, because it used to be that the the networks or the suits or whoever would ha- dictate, had so much power on when we could watch something that now we've swung the pendulum so far we're almost like, now we're going to decide and it's not going to be for, until forever. Like, yeah. we're just going to sit on it until we feel like it because of your past of telling us what to do. What yeah. can happen, though, with that kind of stuff, and this happened with The Walking Dead, is there were a few good seasons of the show or decent seasons and then it just turned into garbage. Mm. We might have we may have gotten lucky with this show where we just we the niche crew uh, have this gem of ne- of a show and it we never went on long enough for it to just be that bad. is true. I mean, it's the the good place theory where like they just announced this is the good place's last season because they're like 
we like what we did. We this is enough. We're good. So like, it's quit while you're ahead or see yourself become garbage. And I guess w- what we got was all good. Uh, we're almost at the end of this segment, but a few last things. How did you guys feel about the overall story arc of uh, Miss Lint into Joan of Arc and how that resolved? I thought it was good. I thought it was handled with less drama than a normal, like a different normal, yeah, normal TV show. This is not yeah. a normal TV show would do. It was a lot more subtle. And I think that really stands out in a show that does so many things not subtly. Right. To have mm-hmm. this character arc go from, jo- this character Joan of Arc to go from A to B like it did, I think actually really worked. I think she was one of, like, possibly my favorite character arc in the entire series was, because it was just done so subtly and slowly and, and well. Mm. I, it was very enjoyable to me. Her ending arc made it seem like now she's the master villain, right? She's not she it's, she was being yeah. hero so that she could be more bad. It, it seems like she might even be doing based on her sort of characterization. I think she knew that this guy was bad, uh, and she was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna take it all and do my own thing." And then she might even start her own superhero right, organization. But that's one of the things we're gonna miss from the right. But I think what it what it said is that it, there's not so much good and evil as there is selfish and selfless. You know, and the tick is just pure selflessness. And Miss Lint is pure selfishness. So even when it's on, when it's, she's not necessarily evil, she's just doing bad things because they benefit her. Mm -hmm. And then when she's good, it's also just because it benefits her, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's less, that's more subtle, that's less dramatic than big swinging Dr. Doom-like speeches and stuff like that. Well, the tick, we are going to miss you. You are a fantastic, fun little show. And we hope... And pray that you will come back to us again within, you know, five to eight years. Five to eight, yeah. Five to eight. There will be another one. R.I.P. The Tick. Long live The Tick. Now, we will move on to discuss all of the other shows that we watched this week. Now we're here in the pull list, the part of the show where we talk about every other show that we watched this week. Kicking it off is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. On this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., aliens shaped like bats are entering the bodies of the team, and it does not go well. Meanwhile, we found Deke. Deke has been running one of those millennial companies that is selling S.H.I.E.L.D. tech. Taste buds, I ask you this. These Mm. aliens create a sort of Batman. Do you think Marvel has a future with a so-called Batman? I think so. I think that is their next like big thing that they're rolling out after they finish this next event. Things are going well for them right now, but would you, is this idea so good that you would dump everything just to do Batman stuff? Only oh. if he has like fun gadgets and cool cars and maybe an airplane. Wow. They should be writing all of these ideas down. <laughs> Did you say a fun airplane? <laughs> yeah. fun I just need a fun airplane. So you can do coke had, on it. I prefer if he lived in like uh, a shitty cave and he had a giant penny. Can we do all of your ideas guys? All of them. I think I think that's the way to go. Most of it was jokes about what it's like to work in a millennial atmosphere with the no suits and the the sleeping whenever you want and the open offices. Open offices fucking suck. I don't know if I would like any of it. And all like there's no chairs, you just sit on balls and shit. Uh, but I also know that I'm done with jokes about it. You know, like I'm tired of I'm tired of people revealing their age because it's just these crusty jokes about how millennials were. Yeah, it, it, they kind of have dipped into that. Was there was a moment in um, Wine Country where they do that, where they're like, "Hey, millennials suck, right?" 
I was like, come on. We don't need this. Have you guys seen the, the posters for the new Shaft movie? Where he's <laughs> like, avocado toast. More like, fuck my ass. They're not good. <laughs> I, you know what? I have seen that poster. There, I... I talk a lot, I think, on this show about the uh, the bus stop that has movie posters mm-hmm. near my house that had the Zendaya Azmichi poster for a very long time, uh, and now it's just that Shaft poster, and I I can't remember the tagline, but it's something like it's a play on like Whopper Junior. Because, because Is that a big have, millennial thing? Because they, because they have Shaft Jr. in there. I'm like, what the fuck? What the, what's going on? What is happening with Shaft currently? What's, the, what's happening in the Shaftosphere? There's one that's like, the only IPA I know is when I pee in your A. Like, <laughs> is that how Shaft handles bad guys? Is peeing in their so. butts? And all of that said, I watching the first trailer for Shaft, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go see that movie. <laughs> because that's I mean, like if a you're going to see time. Godzilla, then yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what are you saying? Nothing. Just you make really good decisions That's, about movies in life. That is exactly true. Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? So when the bat alien flies into you, uh, it goes into your mouth, and it's terrible CGI, and you you have like these big eyes, like, what's going on? Oh, no. And the person you're looking at also has big eyes, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy, though, right? Uh, and then the bat is in there for a while before you, and this is actually like a good moment of the week, you explode into all these, like, it's very annihilation. Like, Ooh. you just get stuck to the wall and become all these crystals and stuff. Oh. And it looked great. And it was horrifying to watch. Could have possibly been, in a different week, the grossest body horror that we discussed today. Well, speaking of, that's all the time we have to talk about Agents of Wait, S.H.I.E.L.D., no, no, no. which is on ABC. <laughs> Your next show this week is Swamp Thing. On the premiere of Swamp Thing, a virus is attacking the citizens of a small Louisiana, Louisiana town. The CDC has no choice but to send Dr. Abby Arcane to figure out what's going on, even though she ran away from the town a decade ago because she killed her best friend for some reason. There she meets the cocky know-it-all Alec Holland, who is in her way, but is kind of cute, but wears flip-flops to investigate swamps. Just before Abby has decided whether or not Alec is the dude for her, the swamp beats him up and makes him swamp thing. Whoa! Taste buds, I ask you this. There are some truly dreadful dialogue moments in this episode, yep. like when Abby's friend's mom confronts Abby about the daughter she killed. But does shit like that matter when the body horror is this wonderful slash terrible? I, th- the body horror in this was awful. I could not, Greg, if you're listening to this. Never watch Swamp Thing. Never watch Swamp Thing. It, that was one of the grossest things I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. And we're talking about someone who like often is specifically seeking out gross things in movies to watch. Yes, it, that was just horrible. Like it was so uncomfortable and like, it just he they kept finding new parts of this man's body to rip open with like tentacles. Right, and like and and plants, and you would think that plants are pretty innocuous, no. right? But, no. but when they're destroying a body, it's in a lot of ways worse than like knives and guns. Like it was fucking terrible to watch. Like uh, I, I watching this episode, I understand why after this first season they've already canceled the show. <laughs> Uh, like there are bits of it that I'm like I get that, but also bits where I'm like, what the f-? like this is such high quality, yeah. And I think that might have like led to some of it is it seems like they put like work and budget into making that as terrifying as possible, and it it paid off. The budget I get, but the effort is surprising to me. I just assume they like throw money around and don't give a shit, but. And there was a definite annihilation vibe too. Oh yeah. And by that, if you haven't seen the movie, and nobody has, uh, it like humans. And some other material just sort of, like, becoming disgusting art, right? Like, a disgusting statue. And it happens a couple of times in this. One really well-done scene where um, 
Abby and somebody else, they walk in. Holland is like in the corner digging for something. They're about to kill him. And it like behind them, they see one of these plant statue men. And it's disgusting to look at. Yeah. And also when they walked in on him, did you also think that he was going to be a person sawing his own leg off? I was mm-hmm. hoping so. Yeah. Because then he couldn't wear fucking sandals. Uh, so let's talk about Mr. Thing himself, Mr. Swamp. Uh this guy, I'm not familiar with the Swamp Thing lore, so this guy, Alec Holland, shows up, and I went, God, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, he was awful. I was like, I hope I hope that this guy dies soon. And then he gets shot, and I'm like, great, cool, mission accomplished. And then when I found out that he will be the titular thing of the Swamp, mm-hmm. I am not excited about that. Like, does Swamp Thing have a voice, and does he say things, and will he have that guy's attitude? I'm not sure. I think that the attitude is gone. Good. And they didn't push it so far where, like, he needs to learn some lessons by becoming Mr. Thing of the Swamp. Yeah. He was just, he was a little more generic of a douchebag, but he definitely was, like, what that guy who does coke and die hard was to the 80s. This guy is to 2019. Ooh. Oh, Just, yeah. like, the fucking uh, smarmiest douche oh, fucker. Fucking, I hate him so much. Traditionally, with the, with the Swamp Thing... Uh, he's almost like a dryad of the of the swamp, right? Like he just he's an environmentalist, basically wants to save the swamp no matter what. Yeah, and he will, and he's sort of like in based on what I've read the like the new fifty two version. That's really all I know. All the Alan Moore stuff that's classic, I have never read. But the reason he's sort of an antihero is because he will he will murder millions to save one flower. Right. So yeah. his priorities are a little messed up. If you're into the whole human thing, and that's it's so he's basically poison ivy. Yeah. Well, do you have a moment of the week from this first season f- premiere of Swamp Thing? First and final. Um, yeah, my moment of the week is uh, more body horror. Um, one of the guys, one of the victims is dead and plenty in like a hospital or a lab. And then Abby and her friend are in there and then he sits up and every like he keeps growing and then it, this you wouldn't think that him falling apart and dying would be scarier, but it totally like his torso splits in half and he just falls to the ground and it's so gross to watch. Oh, it's it's ruinous. If it's not that moment, because that really was it fucked me up. Um, it's just uh, the fact that Abby shows up and I was like, oh, this is the protagonist. I can tell because it looks like they cast her from the Sydney Prescott Institute for Final Girls. For sure. Like she is just the most final girl in a horror movie looking person I've ever seen. And she goes to, she, she was born in deep Louisiana, which is not true. She was born in a, like a casting call for, yes. you know, hot they're, they're like, what if we took the most beautiful woman in the entire universe and put her with this like piece of shit? And then we'll call that a show. And she is Sophia Falcone from Gotham. So yeah, all of her show, all of her comic book shows are now canceled. Yep, uh, R.I.P. Is this, by the way, is this the quickest we've ever had a show on this show get canceled? For sure. Did you read about why? Because it was weird. It's I I didn't see a lot of the reasoning. I just saw like the immediate like, hey, why are you canceling this immediately? The biggest thing that I saw was that like. Warner Brothers had a merger, and they're probably going to move everything to their own separate streaming service soon. But there was the reason they would do it the minute after the first one premieres is very weird because you want people to subscribe to your streaming service. Oh. And you want people to watch the whole thing and then cancel it. Like, just keep it secret. Yeah. But I guess what happened was South Carolina, I think, where it's filmed, um, they said, we're going to give you $40 million of a tax break. And the budget was 80. So half of the budget was covered by the state. Yeah. And then there was a paperwork mishap. And South Carolina said, oh, sorry, no, it's just $13 million. 
And Ooh. so they were like, oh, yeah, and then canceled it immediately. Wow. That's, that so sucks they, for the people who worked on the show, but that's... It's cr- good for us. It's good for us. You're essentially saying that uh, the studio decided to f- screw that state. Like, the state said, oops, and then they said, well, fuck you. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, it, it, it basically does seem like a, a second middle finger to the first middle finger, but it makes me think that if all these studios follow through with all this Georgia talk... Like it could be powerful because like these studios spend a lot of money in these states, and if yeah. you just say I'm, I will never film in the state again, maybe it does change the laws of the state. Mm-hmm. Well, Swamp Thing is on DC Universe for the next however many episodes are in that first season, and then no longer. Your next show this week is Fear the Walking Dead. This week on Fear the Walking Dead, while trying to help a man named Logan, the gang get into a plane crash leaving Luciana seriously injured. The group encounters a group of children, as well as strange traps and signs warning of high radiation in the area. The children eventually run off, while the group is shocked to learn that Logan is actually Polar Bear's former partner, who lured them as far away as possible so that he could take over their denim factory base. (laughs) Al investigates a strange walker wearing body armor, only to be captured by more of the man's group. As the rest of the group plans to retake the factory, Strand investigates a man on one of Al's tapes who has a plane they can use to rescue their friends. To Strand's shock, the man is Daniel Salazar, who hasn't been seen since the destruction of the Gonzales Dam. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Who's Polar Bear? What is there a denim factory base? Where did they get a plane for them to crash in? What the fuck's going on on this show? Uh, apparently there's a second plane, too. I have a friend who Yeah, has there's a- multiple planes. I'm hoping so much that it's not the nickname of a human, but an actual polar bear, and this <laughs> guy teamed up to run a denim factory, and they're like, oh, let's get back to the zombie stuff. Nobody wants to see a polar bear running a denim factory. I absolutely want that. That's I, None of us watch Fear the Walking Dead because I'm the only one who even sort of likes The Walking Dead, and this one didn't get a new showrunner, so I'm not giving it another chance. But every time I read one of these descriptions, I'm like, what? Maybe I should watch it because what's happening? What's the new HBO show coming with like the Nicole Kidman movie and then the and there's a polar bear in it? Oh, the the uh, his dark materials or whatever. Yeah. Is HBO freaking out right now thinking that they had cornered the polar bear on TV market (laughs) and now Fear the Walking Dead shambles in? Well, Fear the Walking Dead is on Sunday nights on AMC. Your next show this week is iZombie. This week we're playing catch up with iZombie and discussing the last two episodes. The first one, Death Moves Pretty Fast, uh, is where Liv eats the brain of an 18-year-old self-made millionaire who has his own radio show, and so then she talks in a cheeky way. Then Liv eats the brain of a matchmaker while Blaine makes his final moves to protect his entire empire. Taste Buds, at this point, is the show just making us root for Blaine? It Maybe. It feels weird for the show to do that because Blaine's a piece of shit, and I don't want to root for him. But the, a- the actor... That's a traditional. That show has been doing that every single season. They want yeah. you to like him a lot, root for him a lot, the actor and then is, he shows you that he's just a piece of shit. The actor is fucking great. I I love him. This listen, it's an all star cast. No no one can deny. You have Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> We've got Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, I I think that they were trying to make him break good a little bit. That way, it was easier to root for him. But now he's just definitely evil, and yet still the most interesting character. You know, like maybe he's a great actor. They're all great actors. But what his character is doing is really the only one that has any momentum right now. Yeah, it's, it feels like they are not really doing a whole lot with everyone else, but just putting all their eggs in the Blaine basket. So there's uh, something happens where before the matchmaker dies and Liv eats her brain, um, she tells Donnie that she 
has someone perfect for him. And he freaks out. He's like, oh, my God, who, where, when? Like, oh, you have to tell me. And I didn't know that Donnie was so hard up for, you know, some tang. Just human, human affection of any sort. <laughs> but her first question to him is, yeah, I, I know who would be perfect for you. Uh, are you into boys or girls? And he freaks out at the question, drops a bunch of glasses. And then she says, okay, it must be girls. And then he tries so hard to find this girl. I was just thinking now, his reaction was, oh, nobody's ever asked me that. It's clearly boys. Mm -hmm. And then he's just playing, like he's protesting too much the rest of the episode, saying like, where can you find the girl for me? Donnie's gay. Based on what I've seen today, Donnie's gay, and he's going to come out pretty soon. Man, Uh he really, really, really liked that silent guy from the first couple of seasons. Who did That was like his best friend in the universe. Uh, So, Ryan, with all that said... Do you have a moment of the week that isn't Donnie being gay? Yeah, there's a character uh, named Al who has been uh, who's a reporter um, who is trying to write a story on Blaine, and Blaine, like, she basically sees right through him and tears him down, and it makes him go rage-tastic because that's the kind of guy Blaine is. But her, her like, just looking at him and saying, oh, I've got you pegged, uh, and then ruining him is, it, it was very perfect. It's something that all guys like Blaine need to hear. Uh, except for then girls run because then these guys get very dangerous and will rage out even in real life. Well, iZombie is on the CW on Wednesday nights. Your next show this week is Sabrina. This week on the season two finale of Sabrina, the Dark Lord is back in his original angelic form and ready to make Sabrina his queen of hell on earth. But Sabrina has some other plans, and with the help of her family, friends, a musical number, and a jilted Mrs. Wardwell, they manage to trap the Dark Lord, but only by sacrificing the body of a young Nick Scratch. The episode ends with Lilith reigning in hell, the real Mrs. Wardwell returned, Ambrose and Prudence becoming witch hunters, and Sabrina making a plan to break into hell. Wow. Taste wants to ask you this. Are you excited for next season where Ambrose and Prudence are witch hunters? I mean... That's one way to get me back for sure. It's the end of this episode is um, they're specifically hunting Father Blackwood because the end during this episode, Father Blackwood is like, hey, Prudence, fuck you. (laughs) We're out of here. And sort of just like abandons everything. And Prudence and Ambrose sort of come to an agreement of, hey, we should kill that guy because Father Blackwood tries to poison the entire coven. Um, And so they're like, all right, well, we we solved the Dark Lord thing. Prudence has like two swords that she carries around and Ambrose has like a big ass crossbow and they're like, all right, let's hit the road. And then they like, like shuffle on out. And that's like their sort of like lead into the next season. My fear though, is that like they are often two of the most interesting characters who can save any scene they're in and have like great uh, random line delivery. And so if you put them together, is that too much? And then also the cast doesn't have them to walk in at it, scenes. It almost felt like they were doing a backdoor pilot into a new series of just Ambrose and Prudence, witch hunters. Because that, like, if they really hung a, a lantern on that. Uh, but the, the very end was, I think, I'll say it was my moment of the week, which was um, Sabrina sitting in the uh, diner with her, her original three friends and they've all made up and everything like the other three like stopped a door into hell opening with like magical runes and so they're like we're on board now we're with you let's do this and they try to come up with a name for themselves and they call themselves the Fright Club uh, it's no monster squad but yeah, it's got no monster to squad it. sounds like a child's book um, but then Sabrina's like I think I have our first mission and they're like what and she just like the camera zooms into her face and she goes let's go to hell and get my boyfriend back 
And that's Nick Scratch. Her and Nick Scratch are fully together. Her and Nick Scratch are fully together, but he like sacrificed his body to like trap the Dark Lord spirit inside of him. Uh, Why don't you just go with that? That sounds nice. Or what? I mean, hey, whatever. But, but you don't. You definitely don't think this is a case of getting Nick Scratch off the show. I it it might end up being that way. I think that they gave themselves the option. Um, and we'll see what they do in, what, like two months, whenever mm-hmm. the next Sabrina series comes out. Yeah, it's a show that's just permanently on now. Yeah, it's just always on. Um, but yeah, it, Sabrina was a whole whole lot happened to this episode. And there was a whole musical episode that was wild and I did not think belonged in the episode. But it's fun. Sabrina will come back very soon. Your next show this week is Cloak and Dagger. On the season two finale of Cloak and Dagger, Tyrone and Tabitha finally make it to the big boss. After having to confront two mini-bosses, Tabitha's dad, and Tyrone's alternate timeline cop persona. They beat them, but not before giving some epic speeches on the power of the show's themes. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Should characters' monologues be shorter than the runtime of any given episode? Yes. That's, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say yes. This was basically the length. Like They talked about the themes for 44 minutes straight. This is a fucking Ayn Rand, John Galt speech. Yes, it's in that category. It's weird because there's so much of the there's so much of the fiction of the show that's kind of vague. A lot of spirituality, a lot of uh, random uh, voodoo stuff that happens that's not super explained. And then they get so precise and they they pile on the uh, intensity of the of the. Th- the themes the characters are going through and it's it's like all right we don't re- i guess they believe we don't really need to understand why the voodoo stuff is happening what's up with the supernatural stuff who cares about that they really want to pound in just this just this stuff that we should already be able to comprehend and in a lot of ways it was like the tick finale like it hit the love and trust and friendship and family themes really hard but fuck man they talked about it to themselves and to each other a little bit, but did that thing where they cut back and forth mm-hmm. between the for an hour straight. It, it was neat to have the like conversations kind of meld into one another, even though they're separate conversations. But Coke really and Dagger's neat. gone to that well so many times. So many times. It feels like the arrow flashback lead in right. of Cloak and Dagger. And it's like we've seen it. It's a thanks. And if like and if you hadn't seen it and you thought it was cool because this is your first time, then they ruined it by like so much telegraphing, you know, explaining every single second of it. I would say that this season finale was more entertaining than the last season finale. The last one was, uh, there wasn't much fighting. And this had a lot of choreographed fist fights, which is always a lot of fun yeah. in these shows. The season one finale of Cloak and Dagger is a low bar mm. because it was it was not great. Like the, the finale was literally, they they run in and they're like, and then we just kind of solve it and it's fine and we sing Come Sail Away. Yeah, that's the big question is, the let's get to, was uh, Tabitha's Come Sail Away in the first season better than Tabitha's Take Me On in the second season? Who's Tabitha? Cloak, <laughs> or I'm sorry, Dagger. Is, is that her name? I thought her name was Tandy. Oh, yeah, Tandy. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure, because I haven't been watching the show. I was like, did they change the name I have of been the watching the show. Tabitha Tandy. Tabitha. Yeah. Tandy is short for Tabitha. It, Listen to the letters. Yeah, because what else would it be short for? Uh, yeah, Tandy is also, the person who plays Tandy is also like the lead singer of the show, if the show was a band, yeah. and she did Take Me On in this episode. 
It was good. It's, you know, the typical, like, rob all soul and interesting stuff out of the song and yeah. just have her sort of yeah. whisper it. It's it's so weird because the show is actually really good at having impactful music for the most part. The The premiere episode of this season, was it almost felt like a music video, the way that the music played into the episode. And then they at the finale, they pile on this not such a great rendition of... <laughs> Of these songs that it's like, what are you doing? They're, they're so good the rest of the time. And then this is just so awful. Well, do you guys have a moment of the week, Producer Dave? Uh, my favorite part of this episode was, uh, we didn't really talk about this, but the Mayhem character is protecting um, the voodoo girl uh, so that she can keep the door open or whatever. And she's like uh, fighting a bunch of... M- phantom people and one of them resembles her dead boyfriend with a bunch of beat up scars on him and she makes out with him for a moment (laughs) and uh, while she's doing that she pulls the pins on all her grenades and then pushes him away and then he explodes it's great that that does sound pretty fucking fantastic ryan your moment of the week um tandy who is dagger um she is fighting her dad phantom ghost and says, like, good dads get an A. Sort of good dads get a B. Do you know what you get? And I was like, I was thinking F. But then Zoro's a Z right into his shirt, and he dies. <laughs> yes, let's, let's look. That's, oh, fuck. I'm upset I didn't watch this episode now. Cloak and Dagger is off the air until it comes back, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. Uh, your next and final show this week is Lucifer. This week on Lucifer... Lucy and the gang get stuck in a standoff when an ex-EOD guy plants a bomb and has to find his wife in witness protection. The wife ends up being the mastermind of the bank robbery that put him in jail, but everyone makes it out okay thanks to a sandwich from Dan and Ella doing cocaine. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does the show Lucifer imply that doing cocaine is actually a good thing? I mean, it says, like, if you are on Molly... And you need to defuse a bomb. If you're rolling hard, or do anything... Like if yeah. it's if it's seven thirty a.m. and you have to be at work at eight, do a bunch of cocaine and you will get totally normal. It'll be fine, <laughs> you guys. Everything will work out. And all the cops who learned about it were like, "Oh, yeah, well, whatever. Well, whatever, Ella, you you rascal." <laughs> well, in in this episode as well, because uh, Lucifer's doing this whole thing where he's like, "This is my final case with the detect with with a detective." Uh, and like she's getting bummed out about that, but he does a big farewell to all of the nameless cops oh, that yes. are just in the show. And one of them is like, "You always give me first access to the cocaine when it goes to evidence." And she's like, ah, "You probably shouldn't say that. You really shouldn't say that in front <laughs> of everyone." Especially with all the other cops right there. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, at a certain point, is it saying that like um, when there's we're we're surrounded by angels and demons and proof of God, uh, or if it's just 2019? Can we just wind down on the drug shit a little bit? Like, who cares, right? Even yeah. cops, who cares? Everyone's like, oh, listen, just sh- just chill out. Just don't tell don't tell my supervisor, all right? And we're fine. Oh, wait, is that your supervisor right there next to you? <laughs> but yeah. It, I don't know if this technically counts as a bottle episode. I don't yeah. know if, like, you have to have a certain amount of minutes in the same spot or a certain percentage. Because I think it, it was only the last, like, 20 minutes was in the the bar and they still had stuff happen outside of it but it, yeah it's it's like a half bottle episode it's a very weird structure that they they chose for this one but they pulled it off in a way that i usually roll my eyes at the uh, the whole in media res and yeah. then 36 and it's so it's crazy and it was crazy like the first scene was crazy 
Um, and then they say 38, 36 hours earlier. And then we spend a lot of the episode trying to figure out how we got to that moment, including why Chloe would be talking to a sandwich. Yeah. Which they didn't, they still didn't really explain. Like it was still a fucking stupid reason. This is it. (laughs) I figured it out. But yeah, I thought it was just enough of, I don't want to say experimental, but just enough of like a wrench in the gears of a typical loose for episode to make it pretty great. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm more and more. I think Eve is a fun addition to mm-hmm. the show. Like, I think that actress really gets the like be fun and excited about things, but not so much that you're just like um, innocent dum dum. Right. It's, but she's not stupid. Yeah, she's not like small girl in the big citying it. Right. She's just like I am excited to do crazy stuff. She brings a lot of energy. And yeah, it's the energy. And the cool thing too is that when it comes to write her dialogue, it's not just like, oh, what is the stupidest thing someone could say? There's a lot more nuance to Mm -hmm. all of the different things that she could say. And it's odd because sometimes it does sound like what she's saying is like uh, got some innocence to it or stupid innocence to it. But then it's still very revealing in certain ways, which adds that intelligence that you would I also like her... They're really harping on the fact that she is here for Lucifer and she is obsessed with Lucifer. If Lucifer's still in with the detective, Eve is fucked. Mm. And I I think that they've really set that sort of situation up very well. And the drama isn't like roll your eyes. Oh, come on. You just did this to throw a wrench in their relationship. Yeah. I mean, Eve found out in this episode that Chloe can, if Chloe's around, then that injures Lucifer and raise an eyebrow like, Oh, wait, so is that the one true love? So that'll probably be drama at some point. Yeah. That's, I, so far, I, I think I'm glad that this show got picked up by Netflix because I, it's, it's just a good fucking show that not enough people watched. And we have an announcement for this show, too. N- uh, one more season. Netflix said hey! next season will be its last season. There we go. I, that, that is good news. See, Netflix renewing shows thank you all of them yeah. yeah even if they're awful yeah well except for the marvel shows and then we can we, we can cut those guys right. we're fine uh well do you guys have moments of the week for this episode oh my moment of the week uh you might miss it if you're not paying attention but at the end of the episode he uh, lucifer's getting put into the back of an ambulance and eve is standing there right there next to him and the detective is walking up and in the background of the scene, Eve is literally pouring alcohol from her flask into his IV bag. So by the time the detective gets there, it's just all alcohol in his IV bag. Which they said earlier that Lucifer can't get drunk. He just likes the taste. Yeah. But also, I guess, likes it flowing through <laughs> his veins. Uh, I have a couple. Okay. Um, I'll allow it. Lucifer throwing the tire. Yep. Was great. Great. Um, Ella... And Eve meeting is probably my biggest one. Just yes. Ella goes in saying, like, fuck Eve. I'm going to hate Eve. And then immediately they're like, oh, my God, we love each other. Yes. Uh, but the real one was they're talking about Dan. And Dan has a rough episode, right? Yeah. Dan, like, lets the bad guy just walk into the bar and uh, everybody almost dies. I think that we're learning more and more based on his hardcore Dan from a couple episodes. In this episode, he just sucks at his job so, mm-hmm. so oh, much. Yeah. It's, it's weird because... So if we're not watching him, if he's not part of the scene, he does great detective work. Uh-huh. He'll come running into the room and be like, I solved this part of the case. Yeah. But if we're watching him, he's awful. And yeah, most of his good stuff this week is knowing uh, that Chloe understands the ingredients of sandwiches. You know, I guess he, got, he gets that. But when Lucifer describes him, he says he once ate a marble because it was in a candy dish. And there's a lot there because <laughs> it's, it's not just that he'll like eat whatever's in a candy dish, but... Because it was, he said, no, I can't, I'm allowed to eat this marble 
because I didn't find it on the floor. It was in a candy dish and therefore makes it candy. And that's fucking Detective Dan. Uh, my moment of the week is uh, if it's not Ella and Eve meeting because their friendship it was immediate and one for the ages. Uh, I think it would have to be when Mace is just bringing in a bunch of just like hoodlums into the police station and she's just like out doing vigilante work. <laughs> and Dan's like, hey, we should like fill out paperwork. She's like, no, let's just go murder people. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good cop. Yeah. Uh, so that is Lucifer, which is on Netflix and we are watching it week by week. That is all of the shows for this week. Next week, we've got Lucy and Ella go to a nudist colony. What? Uh, and also the premiere of Krypton. Mm. I'll watch another one. Well, will you? Yeah. What Do you remember last time we watched Krypton? It wasn't good, but now we've got like 10 episodes that they've, they, they practiced. They're good oh, now. Oh, okay. So how, mu- how much of this do you think will be about Brainiac? Probably a lot. It's they do love be Brainiac. all about Brainiac. But uh, what's his name is coming? Lobo. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Real, real jazz about that. Well, that is all for this week. For Ryan, I'm Taylor for Taylor. I am producer Dave for producer Dave. We are Greg, and Greg is here in place of our dead, lost friend, Mike. R.I.P. We are the world. Get so harsh at the end. Hey, you Man, know what? Watch your mouth, bro. I, you know what? I am tired of being the, the clean-cut goodie two shoes. I'm the bad boy of pop culture. But there are things that you can tell people to eat that is still like it's a little mean, but not as disgusting as that one. Eat my ass. <laughs> See, I like that better. As long as it's soft around the rim. <laughs> eat my ass is romantic. Shorts. That's disgusting. Yeah, take a take a long walk off a short pier. See, how about up your nose with a rubber hose? <laughs>